Hey everyone, and welcome to Scrambling with Dylan Otto, a podcast where the listeners can hear, learn, and laugh about my life in the golf world and other numerous topics with guests on the show. Tune in every week for insight and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Scrambling with Dylan Otto, featuring Stanford University assistant golf coach, Cole Buck. Cole, welcome. Hey, how's it going, Dylan? Good, good. It's really great to get you on the podcast here. And, uh, you know, I've seen you obviously being an assistant coach a few times, but hey, meeting you over at Colonial and stuff, it's really great to get you on the podcast now. How have yeah, things yeah. been lately? It's It's been good, you know, super, super, super busy, uh, but that's always pretty fun for us. Yeah. Uh, had had a nice, nice big summer recruiting, and then that kind of fed into a fun Scotland trip with the guys. We do a foreign tour once every four years. So wow. uh, that was a, that was a welcome back welcome back to California thing for everybody getting connected and then going overseas for that. Um, and then we just finished up basically two, two weeks in a row. And then we're off to Georgia tech in I think six days for our last event of the fall. So nice. Just always on the go. I mean, playing in big tournaments, just got back from Florida playing at Seminole. I mean, colonial and that, you know, it's really, really awesome to just kind of this tournament you guys get to play in and the courses are just amazing. So but I'm glad that everything is going well at Stanford so far. And, um, but I mean, we always, I always like to start it from the beginning and where your journey started. So, I mean, where are you from and how'd you get into the game of golf? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in the Texas panhandle, uh, called, called Pampa. So for me, that was just one of the few things there was to do in Pampa was play golf. And my dad (laughs) was a pretty good player and that's kind of how we'd spend time together. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, I was, I was decent. One of the, one of the better like junior golfers in Pampa and kind of like the, the West Texas panhandle area. Gotcha. And then I'd say once I got into seventh, eighth grade, I started going to the DFW area okay. um, for a tournament or two and was just getting my butt handed to me. <laughs> you know? And that, that, that was the days of like Scotty and, and Will's Alatoris and all those guys. And I'm showing up, you know, yeah, feeling all, feeling all cocky, shooting 74, 75 on the West <laughs> Texas goat tracks. And then I go up there to a real golf course and, you know, yeah. 90. So I guess long story short for me, I ended up at a golf academy. It was the Jim McLean Jr. Academy in Arlington, Texas. Gotcha. Um, it was a super last minute decision. Uh, I think, you know, I, I went and checked the place out two weeks before my sophomore year started. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at Pampa High School, and then we ended up pulling the trigger pretty pretty quick, and and ended up going there. Uh, I think the plan was probably just to go for a semester and kind of see what happens, and then I ended up staying there for three years. So there you go. Um, that was that was a really special opportunity for me. Um, some really good players, uh, you know, the the Abe sisters, the Caribbean Tezra, and Brad Dalkey was there with me. And nice. I think there were eight eight of us uh, my first year, and I think. Seven of us ended up playing like D1 power five golf. I mean, it was a pretty, wow. it was a pretty special group of kids there. Um, so yeah, they, they definitely helped me get a lot better, uh, pretty quick. And then I guess was, was lucky enough to, to get a spot at TCU after, after a couple of years at the Academy. Absolutely. So, I mean, so you're, uh, so you were in high school, go to the Academy and then you're playing junior tournaments outside of that, or was the Academy, was, was there any kind of you know, organized tournaments with the academy, or was it just all focus yeah. outside tournaments? Yeah, it was. It was mostly outside tournaments because it gotcha. was, um, you know, five hours away. It was, it was basically a boarding school type situation, and then mm-hmm. we would be shipped up to Plano every day and go to school at Spring Creek Academy. 
Gotcha. Uh, it was really, really limited course load. And then, you know, we'd basically be practicing from one o'clock in the afternoon till whenever we wanted, which for me was usually pretty late. Um, <laughs> and that would kind of focus. There were a few tournaments a year that we would travel to um, mm -hmm. as an academy, and they would basically take us there, like Texas Junior Golf Tour events, Legends Tour events, some stuff like that. But yeah, it was it was basically just playing AJGA's Legends Tour, Texas Junior Golf Tour, maybe some NTPGA stuff here and there. Uh, but it was all pretty much on our own. There wasn't really like high school golf for me. Right. I gotcha. So, I mean, it's just academy and focusing mainly on that junior, you know, it sounds like a, like an IMG kind of deal here. It's like, a, yeah, yeah, it was just like a, a really small version of that. I think by the end of it, it, it got up to maybe 15 kids. And and a few of those were, you know, like Maddie Zurich and, and some of the, the kids were living in the area and just commuting to really practice with us in the afternoon. So. Gotcha. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's a very unique experience. I mean, I haven't had I mean, that transition from high school to the academy, was it, was it a little, a little weird at first or were you like, cool, all golf, let's do it. Oh, I was, I was absolutely <laughs> obsessed with it and was really lucky my parents gave me the opportunity to go there. But uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely freaking out a little bit. You know, that was the big city for me. I was from a town of 14,000 and like, we were the big city in, in West Texas until you got to right. So, um, you know, it was, it was cool just kind of getting getting to see that vibe and, and be around all these cool people. And, you know, Jason Day was at the Academy practicing there when, wow. when he was kind of on his heater and there were just a bunch of professional athletes that always seemed to kind of be hanging around. And it was cool just to get to pick their brains about stuff and, you know, be exposed to, to the best of the best. Wow. That is so cool. And I mean, the people that are at this Academy that you're, you know, you're, you're playing with practicing with, and I mean, geez, that's an experience of a lifetime there. I mean, that's awesome. And I mean, you, um, I mean, obviously you said, you know, you committed to go play at TCU and I'm really curious about the recruiting process and was it, you know, the playing in all these tournaments and stuff that had to have helped playing in AJGAs and all those tournaments that you played in. I mean, when did you start the recruiting process and how'd you go about that? Yeah, I, I think I was definitely unique in that aspect just because I got so much better so fast. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I really only talked to a couple of schools. My my older sister, my first year at the Junior Academy, mm -hmm. uh, it was her first year at TCU. So we both left home together and basically were, you know, 15 minutes apart. Gotcha. Um, which was really cool. And so anyways, TCU was, was my dream school from, from the get-go. Um, and it was definitely one of the bigger schools that I was kind of talking to and, um, you know, I think coach Monagill kind of saw something in me. I, I had a ton of speed. I hit it really far. I was shooting some low scores here and there. I didn't actually put together very many like full tournaments. Gotcha. But you know, he's, he's kind of known for, for taking some picks on some flyers and seeing what happens. And, and I was, you know, very, very happy to sign up whenever he, he chose me for that. So uh, that was December of my junior year um, at, at the Doral Publix was, was when when I, I made the decision there. Um, That's awesome. So it was pretty cool. But yeah, for me, the, the recruiting process wasn't, wasn't huge. I went mm -hmm. on basically an unofficial visit there. Uh, I think I went on one or two other unofficial visits. I don't know. Mm -hmm. if I think I ever went on an official visit anywhere. So it, yeah. was, it was pretty short and fast for me. Gotcha. When your dream school TCU, and then you get the opportunity, you're jumping on it. I mean, it's like, yeah, let's go. I mean, yeah, it's it was, a, it was an easy sell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And I mean, you being, you know, you know, kind of a local guy and stuff, TCU. And 
I mean, that's just, that is so cool, man, to be able to go to a school that you've dreamt of going to. Um, and I mean, obviously after high school, you go, you play at TCU and you, you played two seasons there. Tell me about your decision to go play at TCU. Why was TCU something that, you know, you really, really dreamt of going there? What, what, what made it so special? Yeah, I think, like I mentioned, my, my sister was there. And so yeah. you know, she had started checking that school out several years before and you know, mm-hmm. I'm the, I'm the little brother. I'm like, heck yeah, I want to, I want to go too and like check this place out and sort of just fell in love with it. Yeah. Uh, it was also super, super nice that my swing instructor, Joey Wartenberger from that golf Academy would end up being, you know, 20 minutes away and all the connections in that place, you know, it, it really just had become home for me. And my, my parents were actually planning to move there. My dad was going to start a dental practice there and, and, you know, they were in the process of building a house. So wow, uh, super, super easy decision on on that front mm-hmm. uh, I think my playing experience at TCU was you know it was what I signed up for like I knew that I was going into to a program that at the time was in the top 10 in the country yeah uh, and I definitely had some some potential and some skill but I, I knew that I had to get a lot better and for me I wanted to be around players that were better than I was um gotcha so going there First year, I think I went to one tournament and pretty much the whole team went to that tournament in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And then that was, that was sort of it. So I started going through some like back injury stuff and, um, you know, there was, there was kind of an unfortunate like roster management situation, uh, my sophomore year. And so I think six, like six of us for my freshman year ended up having to qualify, Mm -hmm. re-qualify for the team. I uh, see. And then I was, I was just kind of on the wrong end of that. So with that and the back injury stuff, I was sort of over golf and I didn't really want to transfer to keep playing. Yeah. Uh, And then I was, I was really lucky to kind of get a internship in the strength conditioning department with athletics, just through my relationship with the strength coaches we had, um, Mm -hmm. being part of the golf team. And that was, that was really my first coaching experience. So the, the golf side didn't really work out the way that I wanted it to at uh-huh. ECU, but it really kind of turned into me finding my, my passion and, and coaching and stuff. So it was, it was a great experience. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to be able to like, I mean, you're still at your dream school yet you're coaching now and you're kind of, you know, you didn't want to do all the playing stuff, but now you're kind of, like you said, you kind of found your love a little bit there for a coaching aspect. I mean, what was it like coaching maybe coaching a team that you or you strengthening strength and conditioning coaching and stuff that a team that you were just on, what, what was, what was that like? Yeah, it was, it was, it was super funny. Um, Cause I, I did uh, help out with the golf team specifically. And then yeah. also like the swim team and, and some other stuff in there, but yeah, it was, it was really funny. They just started all calling me coach buck, um, <laughs> you know, half jokingly, cause I was a sophomore at the time and right. you know, some, like fifth year seniors on the team that I'm hanging out with all the time. And they're just calling me coach <laughs> buck. So, um, it was, it was actually probably one of the better coaching experiences I've had. Cause it was definite trial by fire. Gotcha. Uh, there was a, there was a great strength coach, Todd Kinsler there who, you know, I remember I'm maybe a week into the job. I'm a sophomore strength conditioning major. I'd don't know anything about anything. <laughs> I could be there trying to stand in the corner and not get like called out for anything. And he walks up to me with the whole like swim and dive team in there, probably 40 some kids. And he hands me the sheet with the workout of the day on it. And he's like, all right, you're in charge. <laughs> just total like panic mode. Um, you know, having to stand up on the box and like scream out the workout to all the swim and dive kids. And yeah. Working. And yeah, it was, it was a lot, but, um, <laughs> 
you know, that total like panicky experience, I think you really kind of are forced to find your, your voice and your, your coaching and kind of like how you go about that, get, get very comfortable being in front of people and sort of being the director and, and all of that. So right. it was, it was a short experience for a semester there, but I mean, I probably learned more than that than, than I did really any other, any other time period that I've had in coaching. Yeah. I mean, kind of like you said, I mean, you just kind of thrown into it and you kind of have to find yourself as a coach a little bit and maybe kind of the what kind of coach you want to be and stuff a little bit just to get that experience but it's really cool to hear these experiences that you're so young yet you have you know these experiences at TCU I think it's just really cool I think it's just so interesting yeah it was it was lucky I'm I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't as good as I thought I was because I, I think I'm having way more fun on this side than I ever was <laughs> trying to play absolutely man I mean coaching it's when the coaches the coaches I've had on the podcast I mean it's it's that everybody says it's the best job out there I mean to be yeah. able to to be able to coach and stuff and I mean after your time at TCU you decided to go coach at um at Wagner in New York City I mean you're making the switch going from Texas an area you're very familiar with to going to New York City and coaching I mean what was it like going from hometown to such a populated area and coaching at wagon it was a fun season there um just from kind of the the building there so i did that strength conditioning internship my sophomore year mm-hmm. and then i coached a high school golf team my junior oh, right. year at trinity State. forest high school yeah which was which was great um had had some good players actually one of those kids uh Brzezina is playing at tcu now i think he's oh, a nice so it, it's kind of been a weird one. Um, but anyways, yeah, a couple of years, like really getting into the golf coaching, falling in love with it. And then I did an AJGA internship the summer after I graduated. Gotcha. And that's when I was just trying to figure out like what I was going to do. Cause I was pretty desperate to, to get in coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Mike McGraw at Baylor kind of ended up being one of my coaching mentors, I guess. So, oh yeah, he was, he was phenomenal and spent a ton of time with me, like on the phone and you know, I would drive, I would drive over to Waco and go see him and he would have me at his house and we would just kind of talk coaching and like, Hey, wow. I want to get into this. like, how does this happen? And so his recommendation was if you can get into a D one men's program in any way, do it. Mm-hmm. And if that's a graduate assistantship, like that's going to be the best route. And if not, I would recommend just volunteer assistant coaching somewhere and like figuring out how to support yourself and until you kind of get a full-time job. So gotcha. Um, while I was doing that AJGA internship, uh, I had applied for a graduate assistant spot at Wagner. Mm-hmm. Never, never really heard back. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this. <laughs> I randomly in the middle of the summer at that AJGA internship, get a call from Wagner Wow. Said, hey, to be honest, like the, the GA spot that opened up that you applied for, we were looking for uh, a female because we really wanted them to basically coach the women's team. Gotcha. Um, so the, the head coach for both programs could kind of focus more on the men's side. Mm-hmm. Well, long story short, the, the men's head coach has gotten a promotion doing something else and he's not going to be able to coach anymore. We've got like eight weeks to find a head coach and we don't have <laughs> any money to pay you. It's going to have to be on a GA salary. And I said, absolutely. This is, yeah. this is awesome. So you're there. <laughs> I'm total, totally like freaking out. I've coached a JV high school golf team and was a varsity assistant coach on this high school golf team. And now I'm like a division one head coach. And I'm, right. I was like 22 at the time. Oh my like, gosh. I absolutely no idea what's going on. So that was, that was pretty pretty awesome a little a little scary but I feel like that's kind of how most of the stuff has happened for me um I guess on the career side it's just like thrown into it and figure it out 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really helpful to have a good uh, catalog of some, some helpful kind of mentor role coaches that I could call and ask these questions to and, and sort of figure stuff out on the fly. Um, but, you know, Wagner's, Wagner's a really unique place. It's a, it's a really good school. Um, you're on Staten Island. You're a, a ferry right away from being in, in the financial district of Manhattan. Wow. Um, but the, the golf side of things can be a little bit tricky to figure out sometimes just with the weather and the resources and all that. So oh, uh, it was, it was really cool on the coaching side to just kind of figure out like, how do I, how do I make this work? How do I help these kids get better when there's like snow on the ground or, you yeah. know, do a net in a basketball gym a little bit, like what, what do we do? So, wow. And I mean, at such a young age, I mean, like you said, you're 22 head coach of a division one program and you're just figuring this all out. I mean, right. I had, there, there was a little panic mode there. Um, we, we had some kids like leave the program my first semester there kind of unexpectedly. And so we were down to, I think five kids oh, going wow. the spring season and, you know, a couple of them were walk-ons and were really struggling with her game. So, uh, you know, we, we realized that I actually had eligibility left at that time. And so we got the waivers approved that I was actually going to be a playing coach. Nice. Bring no my first year there. And wow. then thank, thank the Lord, I ended up finding a kid last minute who came in as a transfer so I didn't have to do that uh, this kid actually turned out to be older than I was because you know he, he had some stuff we had to get some like waivers um, uh-huh. but he ended up basically being like a six-year a six-year senior wow um, pre-COVID was wasn't really a thing um mm-hmm. right yeah and, and so he was a little bit older than I was and we just we we chose not to talk about that I mean, geez, that's imagine and being a playing, you know, a playing coach. I mean, that would have been the first I've ever heard. I mean, that would have been interesting, but hey, it would have been terrible. (laughs) (laughs) You found somebody, it all worked out. And I mean, you probably learned a ton of stuff. Like you said, I mean, going there and you're, you know, you're reaching out to your resources, asking questions about this, this and that. And just, gosh, I can't imagine that being 22 years old and having to go through all that stuff. I mean, that's intense. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. And I mean, after your time there, you know, you're going to Tennessee now you're going over um, to Lipscomb university in Nashville. Um, I mean, what was it like kind of going from school to school and having to adapt to new surroundings like that? I mean, how old were you when you went to Tennessee? Um, let's see. I was, I think I was 24. Okay. Uh, when I, when I left Wagner, so I got a mm-hmm. master's degree there, which was great great experience gotcha. wrap that up kind of a similar thing um to post-college where it's the summer before and I'm trying to figure out like what's next where, where do I go how do I do this so gotcha um, my, my best friend Chelsea Barrett who's a teammate at TCU I actually caddied for him on the McKenzie tour uh that summer and then was just trying to figure out where I was going to go next ended up applying for Lipscomb which to be honest I hadn't even heard of before yeah, same. Uh, doing, doing some research, like phenomenal golf program. They made it to nationals a year or two before. Um, Dawson Armstrong and, and a bunch of guys on that team were really, really successful. So, you know, great program in Nashville, um, awesome athletics department and drove up for an interview. And he he just gave me the job like the, the next day. So I said, All right. this is great. Um, so, yeah, just just drove up, drove up to Nashville from from Staten Island. It was a pretty, pretty long haul. Wow. Got my stuff and, and was ready to go. So, wow. And I mean, it just, 
you like you said, you know, you're a small kid from this, you know, or this kid from a small town in Texas, and you're going over to New York City and coaching, going to Nashville, Tennessee and coaching. I mean, what what was that like? I mean, geez, just and then you're 24 years old. I mean, I'm 23, and it's like I couldn't imagine going through all that. I mean, what was that like? And just yeah, coaching. Cool. I mean, I I got I got super super lucky. Like I said, having some of those mentors, and and you know, I think Mike McGraw is is one of the goats of college coaching oh my gosh yeah to hear the stories and, and to kind of have my heart in the right place for for the coaching thing it's like i will i will do whatever it takes for this um mm-hmm. and i was just lucky that whatever it takes turned out to be pretty cool and fun and getting to go to new york and nashville and california and, and all that stuff but um yeah i think i think i had really realistic expectations for what the journey was like and you know how tough it can be to kind of get into it and the sacrifices yeah. you have to make and all that stuff um and I was I was just very ready to do that so was super excited for all these opportunities I had gotcha and I mean after you know you're going to Nashville you're coaching there and stuff what was kind of next for you after that I mean was there was there like a goal that you wanted you wanted to get to a you know a specific school or a specific conference or was it just like whatever's next is just going to come and then you're going to go do it. Yeah, I think I think it was more of, of that route. I mean, you know, it's super, super hard to plan where you're going to end up. And right. And so, and so you know, I had just come from two schools that I'd never even really heard of and had amazing experiences. So um, I was just kind of saying, I want to do this for the rest of, you know, my career and uh-huh. hopefully want to support a family one day on this. And yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to navigate kind of from that and say, hey, as long as as long as I can feed myself and you know, I, I just got married this year. So now as long awesome. as I can feed my family, like I'll I want to keep doing this. And um wherever helps me do that the the best is is probably where I'm gonna end up. So gotcha. Well, hey, congratulations on getting married and stuff. That's exciting stuff there. And um, you know, but I'm really curious about, you know, you get in the coaching position at Stanford. I mean, you're you've had your years at these other division one programs already. You have great experiences at such a young age. How did the Stanford um, coaching position come up? It was, it was a random one. We were actually talking about this last night on the, on the flight. One of the guys, Ethan was, was asking coach, like, how, how did you hear about this guy? What are you doing? (laughs) So yeah, I, I was at Lipscomb. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to the friend Chelsea Barrett's uh, wife, Courtney, Mm-hmm. formerly Courtney Max Topless. Um, she was the assistant women's coach at Mississippi State, um, had a really good playing career. Now she's the assistant at San Jose State. She's absolutely crushing it. Um, yeah. We were just kind of catching up over the phone and they mentioned like, oh, did you apply for the Stanford job? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> no, they actually Where had, is this at? <laughs> yeah, they, they actually had to send me the link for the Stanford job. And my thing was like, I didn't think I was in a position from an experience standpoint to really be you know, looked at for this job, but I was just going to do everything I could uh, to try to talk to Conrad because he was someone I really looked up to and said, Hey, if I can get an interview and just make a connection, I think this will be really helpful down, down the line. Yeah. So I applied on a Wednesday, somehow was, was lucky that these connections I had made in the coaching world and some, some guys that had kind of been mentors knew that I applied and they reached out to Conrad. So he called me on Friday at like 9 PM. Wow. I was like, oh, hey, Conrad. And so he <laughs> talked to me for about half an hour on Friday night. Uh-huh. So, hey, uh, do you think you'd be able to jump on a Zoom call tomorrow morning with a couple guys on the team? 
gotcha. I was to say yes to literally anything he said. So <laughs> nine nine thirty the next morning, like in total panic, like I've got my suit jacket on and stuff. I'm sitting at the the kitchen bar and uh, get on a Zoom call with Nate Menon and Henry Shimp, who were both seniors at, at Stanford at that point. You know, they're just kind of like laid back in the bed, like total, total trying to intimidate me. It's really fun. <laughs> Peppering me with all these questions and I'm, I'm just super excited. And so that was a pretty short call. Conrad was on the Zoom, didn't say a word the whole time. And the end of the call, he texted me and said, hey, can you hop on the phone with Lauren Debashi? She's our director of operations tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. I said, absolutely. So yeah. have, I don't even think Lauren had me on the Zoom for like 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and then that call ended. And then didn't hear anything back. Monday night, Conrad calls me after he did his like radio show on Sirius XM and said, hey, you know, I, I want to offer you this job. So wow. from, from Wednesday when I applied to the next Monday, I got the job. And he said, can you be out here in a couple of weeks? I, I went home, got my car, drove it to Nashville from Texas, loaded up my truck in a U-Haul, and then drove to, drove to California. Signed wow. the, signed the lease. Finally, just found a place online and, and moved in. So. We're going to take a quick break to get a word in from our sponsors. Scrambling with Dolan Auto is sponsored by our friends over at Putt View Books. Putt View Books makes yardage and green books that are used by the best junior, college, amateur, and professional golfers in the world and are designed with the assistance of world-renowned golf coach Phil Canyon and can be made for over 30,000 golf courses. The amount of precision that's put into each yardage and green book is impeccable, and Cordy from Golf Science Lab says they're clear, simple, and very useful. If you want a yardage or green book, head over to their website at puttviewbooks.com and check them out on Instagram at puttviewbooks. Wow. And there, and here you are, your assistant coach yeah. at Stanford University. I mean, geez, what a journey. That is so amazing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I think that's one of the things in, in the coaching world, any sport, like yeah. stuff happens really fast and you just got to be ready to be ready to go. Exactly. You got to be ready to go. And I mean, it's just, it's got to be super intense. I mean, just going through all that stuff, not knowing, okay, this, this, and like you say, kind of got to, you know, whenever, whenever the call comes, all right, we got to go and you go pack your stuff up and next thing you know, you're signing a lease in California. <laughs> I mean, that is just so cool to hear all this because I, I feel like a lot of people just don't understand the, uh, that kind of just the reality of coaching. I mean, it's, it's pretty intense just as much as the recruiting process, it seems like. So, but I mean, once you got the job and you were on your way to Palo Alto, were there any expectations going into your first season at Stanford? I mean, you had these experiences before, but I mean, this is Stanford University now. Yeah, yeah, it's was, was welcome to the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was December of 2020. So oh, yeah, gotcha. In the middle of COVID. Um, Stanford, Stanford was total lockdown. I think, you know, we were in the strictest County, like in the country with, with some of the COVID stuff. So yeah, we didn't even have the freshmen on campus yet, um, mm -hmm. all the freshmen on campus yet. So I show up, you know, we, we had a couple of zoom calls with the team trying to get to know everybody, but all the kids didn't even show up probably until February. Uh -huh. And then we totally hit the ground running and played close to a full schedule just in the spring. So I think we played like six or seven tournaments in the wow. spring. Wow. Um, and it was pretty full send. So there, there wasn't a whole lot of time for stuff other than just like traveling and qualifying and, and really getting after it. But 
mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I would say, I would say the expectations were pretty high. I mean, I'd never been to campus or to this area really before, uh-huh. uh, but I just kind of knew the lore of Stanford and, and, you know, had, oh, yeah. had a time freshmen showing up that year and Carl Phillips and Jake Bieber, Frankel and Michael Torbjornsson. So yeah, uh, it's clearly going to be a lot of firepower. And, and I was just excited to kind of be a part of that journey. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking about these guys that are coming in. I mean, what's it like not only being able to coach guys like Carl Villas, Michael Thorbjornsson, and but then yet coaching next to Conrad Ray. I mean, what is that like being a part of it? You know, just a Stanford team like that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. I mean, I think you're you get imposter syndrome a little bit, like anytime you do something new. I mean, I had that from that strength conditioning internship, mm-hmm. pretty much every place I went, including Stanford. Uh, but I think you just kind of learn pretty fast that, you know, you're, you're here for a reason and then you've hopefully got stuff to contribute. So um, it's just trying to take in as much as you possibly can. Like Conrad is, is one of the best and there's so much to learn from Conrad and, um, you know, lucky to, lucky to get to work with him every day. Yeah. But this goes for all these players, like, you know, Mike and Carl and, and Barclay Brown and, and all these guys on the team, um, all are here for a reason and have a ton to contribute to the program. Right. And, you know, I, I think it's easy for coaches sometimes to kind of fall in, and, uh, into habits and say like, well, this is the way we do stuff. But, you know, that's, that's one of the things I respect Conrad so much for too, is he's looking at these players and saying, what can I, as a coach, like take from these guys who are some of the best in the world at what they do. Right. I mean, geez, you have two, three of some of the best amateurs in the world on your guys' team. And I mean, being able to just learn from them and they're learning from you. I mean, what what's that like working with, you know, guys like Carl Phillips? I mean, directly, I mean, I mean Michael and just Barclay Brown. I mean, what's it like working directly with these guys on a day-to-day basis and that trust you guys have? I mean, what what's that like? Yeah, I, I think that's that's the fun part about coaching. It's such a long, you know, process. You're talking four or five years and the relationship changes every single year, every semester, every tournament you go to, that 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 bond just kind of develops and you start to learn more about the games and what they need and how you can help. So it's it's super exciting because they're all completely, completely different. And and what they need, how they talk to you, um, how you're supposed to talk to them and and just all of those things, that's, that's what's super fun. You know, it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint anything yeah. specifically, but there's, there's just a ton there. Um, and it's, it's been really cool just watching these guys develop in completely different ways and all kind of achieving similar, similar things out of that. I mean, geez, that is just so cool. I think just, I mean, if you, if any junior golfers out there, people that play college, they know these guys that are on the Stanford University team. So it's just really cool to hear somebody that gets to work directly with them and kind of all the stuff that's just, it's kind of happening there. And I mean, I, I kind of want to ask questions more so about maybe what, what you see for your future coaching wise. I mean, of course, most coaches, they want to be a head coach someday. And, you know, but I've talked to other coaches that, hey, they're totally great with you know, they're totally set with being assistant coach at where they're at. I mean, what are some of your goals? Do you, I mean, do you set goals for yourself? What are those like? Yeah, it's, it's like I said earlier, I mean, I'd love to do this for, for the rest of my career. Um, yeah. And that, that includes being a head coach. You know, I, I think where we're at now, like we're, we're really young and I don't think we're thinking family anytime super soon. So yeah, uh, we're just kind of happy to, to be where we are now. And if something great comes along, that's awesome. Um, if not, there are plenty of worse places to be than, you know, <laughs> you know doing, absolutely. Doing so we're super, super happy. 
Yeah, I mean, geez, you can't get, I mean, you can't get much better. So, I mean, really congratulations on just your journey getting to Stanford and just really enjoying, you know, really enjoying life, it seems like. So that, that's great. I'm really, really proud of you, coach. Yeah, thanks, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're heading to the next section of the show here. I like to call the uh, ham and egg section. Just ask them for fun questions, get to know kind of you as a, from a coaching standpoint in Stanford, maybe a little bit more. But, um, you know, the first one I have here for you is something that, when I was going through the recruiting process, I'm going on visits and my dad was asking coaches this question. And I mean, you're kind of like the parent figure or, you know, kind of the bigger brother, I guess, if you want to say for, um, you know, being a coach on the Stanford University team. And what's it like being that parent figure to players when they come to Stanford? Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably a lot to do with Coach McGraw and the way that he coaches and him just being, you know, kind of my, my mentor in this and the guy that really got me into it. Yeah. For, for me, the reason I coach is just to help kids kind of not go to where I went, right? Like, I think all that stuff, um, you know, it was it was nothing with TCU in particular, or Coach Montagill at all. Like, it was a great program, and, and I understand why the things happened. Yeah. Um, but I personally just got in a really dark place with the game and, and all that stuff um, and just had to figure, figure a bunch out. So for me, that's kind of why I got into coaching was just to help kids. I mean, I, I know the stresses of playing college golf especially this level and, and sort of figuring your life out and being away from home for the first time so for me that's kind of where I start with coaching in general mm -hmm. is I think if I can build a really good relationship with the guys and and they can be really dialed in take care of stuff in their life like off the golf course yeah it makes the golf side of things you know infinitely easier right mm -hmm. these guys are super super talented and it's like how do we how do we take care of all the stuff off the golf course to just really let that talent um, right. be the focus? And Conrad says it the best. He always talks about the guys, you know, I want you to be your own CEO, like mm -hmm. treat your golf game like you're, you're a fortune 500 guy. And, and, you know, this is your company and this is your profession, like yeah. kind of organize your life and, and relationships to make this job as easy as possible. So gotcha. Wow. I mean, Hey, that's, that's a great way to think about it. I mean, it'd be the CEO of your own company kind of, you know, mentality and yeah. Wow. That's a really interesting. And, you know, it's really cool to hear that obviously you've been through all these, you know, these experiences playing at a high level and stuff, and you just, you want to be able to help people not, not go down that road maybe or something, you know, it's really cool that that's, you know, that's why, that's why you like coaching and that's what you kind of, what you're trying to do. So I think it's just really interesting to hear this kind of, know insight from coaches because i mean if there's probably a lot of people out there that play you know super high level golf but yet they just don't want to play anymore and you know just hearing this coaching advice from you i think it's really interesting stuff and i i just congratulations once again on just being at stanford and being able to you know apply this this mentality and stuff that you're learning from coach conrad and being at stanford and stuff i think it's just so cool. I think it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to beat. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And I'm really interested in what's it like for you when, you know, you're on the golf course and you guys are during competition rounds, walking and talking with players. I mean, what, what are those interactions like? And is there a process or technique you like to use with certain players or is it just kind of all over the board for each player? Yeah, I think, I think it changes player to player. That's, that's, that's an interesting thing that I don't think there's a right answer because yeah. every coach kind of does it differently. Um, mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot of coaches that like to be super hands off and, and really not get in there at all and just kind of bounce around. And 
yeah. I think we're more in the camp of liking to pick one guy and just ride with them for the whole day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think each kid is, is clearly very different. Um, you know, Barclay, for example, I walk a ton with Barclay and, um, you know, caddy form at the open this summer, which was a cool experience. So I oh think I gosh, yeah. them enough where it's like, Hey, you know, I'm happy to jump in there and help give reads on putts and, you know, really kind of give, give my opinion on stuff mm-hmm. and other guys. It's, it's a lot different. I'm, I'm a lot more there just kind of for the mental support and like, keep them laughing, telling jokes, like try to try to break up the focus in between, in between shots and, and kind of yeah. be there for that aspect. So that's, that's super fun. That's, that's actually what I love the most is, is that kind of, you know, coach caddying out on the golf course during tournaments. Yeah. And I mean, you just kind of brought up a little bit coaching at the open, very sly, you know, very like, ah, I, just, I caddied at the open, you know, in there. <laughs> I mean, what was that like, you know, caddying for Barclay Brown at the open this past year? Yeah, it was, it was, it was peak golf experience of my life for sure. Um, wow. He, he won the, won the open qualifier to get in and called me and asked me if I could come out. And I said, of course. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, showed, showed up and we, we just had a good fun full week. He played awesome. Uh, first two days. Yeah. And like six after day one and, and yeah. made, made the cut and was, you know, top, top 15, I think going into the weekend. And he actually played some really good golf and kind of got some, some tough breaks and the putter got a little bit cold on the weekend. Um, but you know, still super, super impressive stuff. And it's, it's hard to even describe what the 150th at St. Andrews is like. Gosh, that is just so special. And I remember watching it and seeing his name at the top of the leaderboard. I'm like, wow, like, you know, amateur playing really well. I mean, this is so cool to be able to be on the bag there. St. Andrews, like you said, 150th open, like, geez, it's just all lined up. And that's just so, you know, such an amazing experience. Like you said, peak experience, you know, in golf right there. That is just so cool. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, got you're, well, I spent way too much money in the, in the <laughs> you got you though, I mean, you gotta, oh, yeah. you gotta go all out, man. It's like, you go to a, you know, a, a really nice course. You gotta buy something. <laughs> that is so cool though. My gosh. And add that to the list of experiences. Jeez, that is so awesome. Um, but the next question I have is kind of like going back to that reality of coaching. I think a lot of people don't realize the path that it, you know, or what it takes to, to get to, you know, being at a coach at Stanford university like this. And obviously there's tons of different paths that every coach takes, but can you just kind of touch on maybe just, you know, the reality of coaching a little bit and, you know, what it took for you to get to this position. I mean, it, what was that like? Yeah, I, I, again, super lucky that I got into it so early and had some really great coaches kind of say, Hey, this is, this is a, a yeah. realistic view of coaching and kind yeah. of how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes time for sure. I mean, there are a bunch of different ways to go about it. Um, I was, I was definitely in that boat of not being like a, a tour player or a guy that was had, you know, a professional golf career and is trying to transition in. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit uh, of an easier step to make. Sometimes you, you at least get to maybe kind of skip a few of the, the bottom rings on the ladder, so to speak. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, I, I think if anyone wants to do it, like the options are there, but you've, you've really got to go for it. You know, um, every bit of experience you can get is super, super helpful from, from high school coaching to, to internships, to volunteer assistant coaching places. And yeah, it's, it's good that I started really young because mm-hmm. it's definitely tough to, to have a family 
and to do that stuff and to really kind of start from the ground floor. Right. There's, now, there's a ton of travel and sacrifices and, and it's, it's really just hard to, to be able to afford all the moves and, and going places kind of all over the country and doing that thing. So yeah, I would, I would just be prepared for, for that. If anyone's going to get into coaching, it's the, the payout is phenomenal and it is one of the best jobs I can imagine having. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just really glad that I got started so young. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you talk about, you know, whenever, if you do to do it later on with a family and stuff, there's, there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make. And like, I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, geez, you got the call, you know, all right, you're hired. Can you be in the next couple of weeks? Boom. I mean, you're on the road, going home, packing your stuff up. And it's, I mean, you got to be on the, you got to be ready to go. That's for sure. I mean, if the oh, yeah. call comes, so it's uh, I, I just think it, the reality that a lot of people don't understand that. So I'm really glad that you, you know, you're able to kind of talk about that a little bit and just, uh, just kind of how, you know, the people you've met and the resources and, you know, coach McGraw being somebody, a lot of coaches that I have on here either are, are he's their mentor or get advice from him. And, I know he has his own podcast and everything that he has. So it's just, it, it's really cool to see how many people, you know, coach McGraw touches, man, that is just really oh, yeah. special. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I would double down on that. I mean, he's, I, I can't think of anybody that's given more to uh, the profession of college coaching than McGraw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know how much passion he has for it. And kind of, I, I think he really understands the importance of like what we're doing for these kids with, you know, completely golf out of out of mind right right Um, there's there's a lot that goes into to being a really good leader and mentor to to kids going through this college experience Mm -hmm. Um, i think golf is really just kind of viewed as the platform that we get to use to to help these guys out so um, absolutely huge 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 respect for coach mcgraw absolutely man it's really cool to really cool to kind of give give some thanks to him whenever you can i'm sure you do whenever you can but hey it's like you're just super thankful for all the people that have been in your circle. So that's awesome. Um, but the next one here is kind of for junior golfers out there that are maybe going through the recruiting process or they wanted to play at Stanford or that's their dream school. I mean, what, what are some things that you look for, you know, whenever you're doing your recruiting, what, what are your recruiting trips look like maybe? Yeah, there's, you know, we're in a unique place at Stanford just because you've got the, you know, say the top hundred kids in the class. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll really push on trying to get questionnaires and stuff out just so we can get a sense of where they're at academically before June 15th when we can talk to them. Gotcha. Uh, but realistically, like once June 15th comes about, we can start talking to kids and we can get our hands on some transcripts and things like that. You know, that class gets narrowed down to like 10 kids really, really fast, just on the academic side. Right. So it's, it's a little bit easier just because we're dealing with a smaller pool of kids. And then you're trying to figure out from there, like what exactly you're looking for and what would fit into, you know, the, the squad in that given year based on who's there and kind of what holes you've got to fill and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think it, it always changes. Um, but yeah, re- realistically, you're looking for a kid that has um, experience winning and, has the the physical tools to play at like the next level and even the level beyond that yeah um and then you know i think i think personality and kind of clicking with uh conrad myself and the team is really important because i mean i i spend i spend way more time around conrad than i do my wife which i'm not (laughs) doing but you know we're, we're a huge we're just a huge family and so it's really important that everyone's kind of on the same page and has the same 
uh, goals in mind. So. Absolutely. I mean, I think everything that you're touching on right there is just super interesting. And I think any advice for junior golfers out there is huge because I mean, there's probably a lot of kids that, you know, see, I mean, I know a bunch of kids are fans of Carl Phillips and I mean, there's, it's like, they want to go to Stanford probably just because of him. And a lot of people want to go to Stanford because of Tiger. And so it's just really interesting to hear what, what you guys are looking for in a player. And then, Hey, who knows? You never know. Maybe somebody listened to this one day and they'll be playing at Stanford. You never know. (laughs) I would say regardless, regardless of Stanford or whatever, like, I, I think huge emphasis should be put into the academic side. You know, even if you're going somewhere that's really, really not that mm-hmm. strong academically, if it comes down to, to two kids and making a choice between two kids who have like pretty similar athletic ability and scores and things like that, I mean, nine out of 10 times, you're going to go with the kid who just has better grades, you know, right. whether that's like for scholarship reasons and kind of what you get there, or just having that comfort and knowing like, Hey, this kid knows how to kind of handle himself academically. And it's going to be that much less stress on his golf game once he gets to college. So, um, I think that's, that's gotta be up there with the most important things that kids can do and actually have control over that will help their recruiting. Exactly. Cause the last thing you want to do is bring a kid that's a stud in and then, Oh, he's not eligible, you know, or something like that, especially at a school like Stanford where academics are very prevalent there. So it's a, <laughs> it's pretty intense, but oh, I'm really glad you brought up this advice for junior golfers out there. And um, I think, you know, now that you're on the coaching side of golf and obviously I've seen you post swing videos and you're out there, like did some balls every now and then. I mean, now that you're coaching, you know, do you ever get to play, you know, do you get to play golf? Do you ever, you play in some events every now and then, or is it just focused mainly on coaching? The clubs are happily hung up. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, I, it's fun to play every once in a while. And, you know, we'll go out every, I don't know, four or five, six weeks and maybe play like nine holes with the guys kind of in practice or something. Yeah. Uh, Scotland trip was a big one. That's, that's the most golf I've played since, you know, 2014, gotcha. tough whenever it's like, you're going to play and the guys that you've got access to play with are like, Michael and Barclay and Ethan Ng and Carl Phillips and they beat me by like 20. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to play out here. I think I <laughs> let's see this this was a good one we played we played in Scotland for that trip. I think we played seven seven rounds wow. in seven days. All my scores were between 73 and 77. Sweet. Barclay beat me by 68 shots 68 shots oh my That's gosh right. you know it's what like you... what, what's what's fun about that <laughs> I don't even want to play yeah. <laughs> but I mean this is cool though that you're able to get out there every now and then and play with them but hey it's uh you're happy you're happy to put the clubs away and be focusing on coaching and stuff because it's just uh it's nice you know you you can have all these experiences with these players yet you don't have to feel the pressures of hitting golf shot so (laughs) thank the lord thank the lord awesome well we're heading to the last question here um i think we we've kind of talked about the people in your circle and the connections you've made throughout your coaching career but is there a person or group of people that have really inspired you to be the person slash coach you are today oh yeah i mean uh i've talked about coach mcgraw a lot obviously i think that's kind of a big one on the coaching um side but you know, every coach I've had, Coach Montegill, um, my swing instructor, Joey Wartenberger, and just all, all of these guys just kind of seeing the the impact they've had on my life through coaching and just being around the game of golf and doing stuff like that. 
um, I mean, I'm, I'm just endlessly grateful for everyone that's kind of helped me along this journey because I'm, I'm super happy with where I'm at right now. Uh, and I know how hard it is to get here. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I didn't really do, do much for it. You know, it's just a bunch <laughs> of guys that really kind of helped me out and, um, we're, we're lucky enough to say good stuff about me to the right people. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of how the, how the world goes, goes around. I mean, it's all about who, you know, so, but I mean, it's just huge congratulations on just everything you've done, everything that you did at such a young age to get to the point at which you're at now, coach. I think it's like you said, a lot of people would love to be in your position. So just keep enjoying it. You seem like you're having a great time there at Stanford and uh, just really excited for not only your coaching career, but just the, you know, the guys at Stanford, this, you know, these coming years and stuff. And I think you guys have something special. Yeah. Hope, hope so. Absolutely coach. Well, Hey, that'll wrap up this week's episode of scrambling with Dylan auto coach. Thank you so much for coming on. Really, really happy to, you know, just hear your experiences and just the coaching aspect of it all. Oh yeah. Thank you, Don. Absolutely. Have a good one, everybody. Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of scrambling with Dylan auto. Just want to let you guys know, I create an Instagram for the podcast called scrambling podcast. You can head over there, follow for updates on the episodes, as well as material that I'll be talking about in the episodes like videos or photos. So you can check them out there and get a little more insight on the episodes. Thanks again for listening and have a good one.